This is episode 19 with speaker and trainer Carissa San Laurent. This is Magical Humans, and I am Vania Vananina. I am an artist and creativity expert, and I am on a mission to talk to extraordinary people about their creativity, failures, wins, and everything in between. My wish is that these magical humans inspire you to take the leap and lead a creative life. Carissa, thank you so much for being here. It's such my pleasure. I'm excited to talk with you. Oh, me too. Okay, so I know some of your background, your story, because you've shared with me our conversations, but I think it's so interesting and it's so important that people know. I mean, I feel like more and more people are being aware that healing is not linear. The way to success is not linear. It's like a winding road and there's lots of trial and error and things. So can you share, for someone that doesn't know you, can you share your background? Oh, yeah. Like how, yeah. who is Carissa and how did you get here? Yeah. Oh, man. This, this So cut me off at any time because this is a, this could be a long story. But uh, my, I feel like my One of the main things that shaped my life is my adoption and having been forcefully removed from my life in Korea, which is where I was born and raised in the United States. And, you know, one of those, this is not to say that I'm not happy in my life. I absolutely love my life. It's not to say that I don't feel grateful for having come to the United States and the experience that I've had here, but it started out in a very traumatic way. So starting life with that type of trauma, or at least that type of trauma coming in early life, really, really shaped my early life. Not that I knew it then. How old were you? I was three when I came over. So I had had three years with my mother speaking a different language eating different foods, being in a totally different culture. And I came over to the United States. I was raised in New Hampshire, a very, you know, a, a white family, a white community, a very small community. So it wasn't like I was in a metropolitan city even where I got to see other people that looked like me. And at the time, of course, didn't know what was going on. And I didn't understand what this experience was. Obviously now as a, a woman who's gone through a lot of healing and change and transformation, I understand that a lot of my early experiences were steeped deeply in pain and in the trauma that I experienced. So as much as I looked like a person who mm -hmm. was loving their life and mm -hmm. enjoying life. And this I, is when you were a kid? When I was a kid, yeah. A kid growing up, I, I think, you know, I, I seemed like a very happy, quote unquote, perfect child. You know, I, I got straight A's or all, you know, always good grades. I was personable and friendly uh, type of kid. I wasn't like this sullen, dark child who, you know, didn't talk to anybody. Um, I was really popular. I had a very outwardly successful looking life, but inwardly I was suffering and suffering deeply. Everything surrounding my identity, my own self-esteem, self-love, 
uh, my worth. I was suffering from depression, you know, which led to self-destructive behavior. I had uh, really no inner compass or guidance beyond I just need to be perfect and be good in order to be okay in this world. So that was my inner compass. And what was the first action you took as you were uh, coming out of age and, you know, um, it, when it was time to go to college or mm -hmm. get a job, what was what were your first actions or interests? Like, did, did your actions align with your true interests? Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, I started college as a pre-med major and I thought I always wanted to be a doctor. At least, you know, that was my... my 16-year-old, then 17, and then 18-year-old self-thought. <laughs> I loved medicine. I was fascinated by it. I loved uh, anatomy and physiology and the human body. I certainly had an interest in it, but it was the allure of the profession and the credibility that the profession would give me that was more the driver for it. So when I started that path and I was in college, I decided, or I, I don't know, I, I decided yes to make the change, but I think it was decided for me based on other influences that I was exposing myself to. So I actively exposed myself to other ways of thinking and other things out of that status quo. I would say starting middle of my high school years. So what I mean by that is that I chose different experiences. So even though I was a, you know, the captain of my cheerleading squad, I was also taking acid <laughs> and trying different things to break free of my little life. And I'm not saying that following a healthy, wholesome path makes you little. It's just, for me, I needed things to, to shake me up. I needed something that I don't probably also a way to rebel or a way to experience life in a different way. I sought that so much. I, uh, an early, early book that I got from one of my aunts who, you know, she's an LA uh, born and raised lady called Your Soul Purpose. I forget the author's name. And it was the first time I ever felt seen by somebody. It, was the first time I'd ever felt like, oh, there are different paths to take. There are other ways of seeing and viewing and experiencing the world. And oh my God, this is, this is something I want to explore. These are areas that I uh, felt so called to. Mm. And it, it, really, I, it began with this maybe inner desire. And then, I, and then I got these little you know, gifts and messages yes, from, from the, the world, universe, right? Yeah. <laughs> Being very specific in blocks of time. Like when you told me your story, like, oh, and first I did this and then I did this and then for a time I did this. And then because I, I feel that that is so interesting, those blocks of time when you were doing a certain thing or practicing a certain thing or relating to society as a professional of a certain field and mm -hmm. then you change like fields. Right. So can you tell us like in blogs, like this happened and this happened yeah. and this happened? And definitely things happen in that way, but there was always overlap. So rather than them being blocks, they're almost like waves, convention, like these concentric circles where Ooh. there's like this, you know, Venn diagram situation where like in the center of that, yeah, there's just a lot of overlap. So 
Um, as I began this exploration and starting to expand my mind and my experiences, I still continued along the path of sort of good girl, academic girl, pre-med girl, went to college and uh, continued these other experiences and, and expansion and decided at some point within there as my freshman year, you know, this isn't for me. I, I, I can't be a doctor. I don't even believe in, well, I, <laughs> in science. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I believe in science and I believe in Western medicine, but I also believe in the power of our thoughts. I am much more interested in and was already personally living in a world of holistic and natural medicine and self-healing and self-care that uh, to me, it, I felt disingenuous I of continuing that path. So I, I continued. I didn't want, I didn't just say, okay, screw it. I'm going to quit school and then go and, you know, um, take this whole another path. I continued school. I, I uh, continued with the, without knowing what I wanted to major in. I then decided it was, it was a good experience for me to go and study and travel abroad. Where did you go? I went to New Zealand. Ooh. I spent a year, a magical, incredible year in New Zealand. The getting there, though, was this challenge for me that I had not yet, uh, you know, although academically I had challenged myself up until then, this I had let myself slide and slip. So this was this is the non-linear mm -hmm. path that you were just talking about. It wasn't like, oh, success just went yes. boop, 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 up this like beautiful stairwell into this magical place. It was like climb, climb, fall down 80 flights of stairs and then oh, climb again and then circle were, back. And but, were these um, setbacks things that, what were these kind of setbacks? The setbacks were really driven by my own emotional state by my not yet having a sense of my self-worth and self-esteem and and self-love. I wasn't there yet, although I knew I wanted these other experiences. A lot of the stuff I still sought was external to me. Mm. It wasn't this internal calm of I really truly so knowing. I can relate to that. Mm. We, we, so many times in my life if now in hindsight if I look back and even now like in the present day it happens sometimes when I just get so disconnected from my inner self and so worried about the outer world but I feel like in hindsight I always knew I had a voice and my intuition was always really strong but I wasn't taught to listen to it fully because it was always overridden by being a good girl, being right. a good student, being a good friend, being, you know, the nice girl. And I heard something this weekend where a speaker said, it was like, who said nice meant throwing your values and your intuitions down the drain. Mm. But anyway, where mm -hmm. I was going with this is I am so grateful to hear you speak about these because I wish... Even now, the time has passed. I think of myself when I was in those moments where I was just, everything was dictated by the outer world and not not from my feelings or needs or my intuition. This is so common, right? Common for us as humans. Yes. Even more common for us, I think, as women, where we are put into these pigeonholed, places of 
you know, this is who you are. This is your identity as exactly. a woman, or if you want to be successful in life, or you want to, you know, be happy, you have to be this type of person or woman or be human being. Yeah, what and, about your calm and your inner peace and your... Yeah. Yeah. We are unfortunately mired in that. And then oftentimes, you know, you see people uh, who completely self-identify with those external mar markers of success, right? Like, well, I have become the doctor. Mm -hmm. I'm a doctor. Like, yes. Who are and you? That is a doctor. Like, who else are you? I'm, uh, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, and so for me, it was, it was really a matter of, I needed to get to know who I was at the core. I needed to reclaim my identity. I needed to um, reclaim those parts of myself I had lost through that traumatic experience I had. And then just really the, all the years of just ignoring it yes, and, because I didn't know it was there <laughs> for yeah. one. So I don't think that's one thing I think we all need to remember is that you can't blame yourself for not having, you know, not having the wherewithal to explore these things when you were younger or even now, like who the fuck yes. taught us to do this? Who, yes. you know, we were, if anything, we were given all the examples of just Pushing all that down, hiding all that. This is so true. And I'm so grateful you say this. A mantra of mine that I had to hold on to dear, uh, when I was holding on to dear life, I had to hold on to this mantra as I was starting to explore my grief and a meditation teacher of mine, she helped me come up with this mantra where it was, it goes something like, I did the best I could with the information I had mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. And I think, I feel like the only responsibility we have as humans is to just continue to expose ourselves to learning and to understanding and compassion and love so that we can yes. do better and more with what we have. So it's, it's still, we're always only operating from where we are. Yes. We're only at any, at at any, any age, given moment, at any given moment in, in anywhere in the world. Can it's we always, always do better? Absolutely. Can we always do more? Yes, yes. But if we're always, you know, there's a, there's a, I think a, an interesting, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a double-edged sword or just an interesting conundrum that we're in of, of well, using that, well, we can always do better and striving to that is on the one hand, a, a good way of, of looking at life. Like yeah. we're always pursuing excellence or we're pursuing- We're always evolving. Depth, and, yes. right? But if you are- focus solely on that pursuit rather than on the gains that you make every moment or just even being in the lovely place you are now with yourself, you never can really appreciate it. Yeah. The, that thing you're, you're pursuing, always on the right? Chase, always, yeah. 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 So it's like, well, keeping these goals or aspirations or dreams in mind, but then also just loving where you are, loving obviously who you are oh, yes. in every moment. Um, otherwise it's all for naught, right? It's yeah. just, what is it like? Wh what's the point of it then? Mm -hmm. Ah, this is so, so sweet, sweet, sweet knowledge that, you know, I wish I had before, but I am grateful that now I'm in tune with my intuition and myself. And before I was this in tune, I, I, I would think that it was woo stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm really grateful to be in this moment, you know, regardless of the places that I've been or situations, 
that I know now. Mm -hmm. And thank you for that reminder, because I often find myself like in the constant pursuit of um, productivity and, you know, reflection and then action. And then I get so caught up in that that I'm like, oh, wait. And that's why that's part of why I I was taking a little break from the podcast because I want to be in the moment mm -hmm. and enjoy these conversations. This makes me feel less alone yeah. and more part of something. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think the the closer I've come to myself, really, the closer I've become comfortable in, in knowing of who I am as a human being, not who I am as a construction, a social construction, yes. uh, the more comfortable and confident I am to just share that immediately mm -hmm. rather than needing to hide behind whatever it is, whether that's small talk or hide behind, um, you know, other types of proof You know, like, oh, well, I did this and I do that. No, okay, now I have the right to talk to you, right? I mean, yeah. I, just, I just don't feel the need to do that anymore. And I also am kind of turned off when I yeah. meet somebody like that who's like, uh... doing all that. I'm just like, hey, dude, like, we don't have to do this. Like, you don't need to prove to yes. me anything. Like, let's just talk. And uh, it's, uh, it's refreshing to be able to have these types of conversations. So I want to talk about creativity in your work. First, can you tell the audience, what do you do now? Well, I try to spread the light and ignite that light in other people as much as possible through my work. And I feel like right now in this moment in time, I am the most aligned as a human being with the work that I do and the person that I am. And I, I feel grateful to be able to say that. It's taken a while to get here, to feel like my experiences, the everything I've gained and learned over the years is... I, and I'm ready. I just feel ready mm, to mm -hmm. share it and and use it as a as a means to help other people. So the work I do is uh, I'm a professional speaker. Mm -hmm. So I speak on a variety of topics, a lot about digital marketing. And, and you speak. Sorry to interrupt. You work with Google, right? Among I do. Other. So yes. tell us about that. Like, how is it to be a speaker? So I am a speaker for Google's Grow with Google program. And this program is specifically for small businesses. And there's other elements of it. I really mostly speak for the small business side of the program to help business owners and entrepreneurs learn how to do marketing, to think like a marketer, to learn how to use Google tools and digital marketing to help them grow and realize their business dreams. I love that work because of that element of being able to help people actually realize their dreams. Mm. Now, I've been a small business owner a few times over now, and I'm, I currently am as well. And you know, when you put yourself in the place of owning a business that is of your own creation, running and operating something that comes out of your your own desire to bring something new into the world, it's a lot that you're putting on the line, right? You're yes. not just putting Yourself money on the line. Yeah. Product, yeah. Right. It's, it's not your time, just, your energy and investment, peop, other people's time and Totally. Money. And you're putting your pride and all of these really emotional things on the line for you as well to put yourself out there in that way. So I always applaud every business owner and entrepreneur and someone who's putting themselves out there, creators and artists and people who are 
just truly putting themselves out there. The work I do in this, this, the space of digital marketing, I approach it in that way is that I'm helping people realize their dreams are a piece of their dream of how they want to live and work in the world uh, by helping them with their marketing. I want to, I have a specific question with all of your expertise, your hard and soft skills, what would three or five things, or even it might be just one or two things that are so important for small business owners, especially women, mm -hmm. that what is something that we can do or something that we have to have in mind? You know, it's not necessarily like do this and da 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 and you'll be successful. No, but it's like with all, you have been a business owner, you are now, and you have been in contact with tons and mm -hmm. tons and tons of yes. uh, small business owners. So from your perspective, what is something, what, what are the common threads that you think are the most important? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think one larger scale element is the ability to and the execution of taking risks. Mm. And these need to be calculated risks. I don't uh, adhere to the idea of, hey, just go quit your job and, you know, go pursue your dream. I don't think that that's realistic for a lot of people in, mm. in unless you've got a, a savings, yes. you know, and a huge savings and you don't have a lot to lose. But um, unfortunately, we all need to live in reality, which is that we've got bills and we've got to eat and we've got, yeah. you know, things to take care of. Um, some of us have kids and families and, I, you know, yeah, I'm the breadwinner of, of my family and, you know, I'm, my whole family relies on me, not just, it's not just me. So taking risks are important in business, meaning trying new things, using some of your gut instinct and understanding of what you have to offer and what the world needs to bring something to market. But all of those risks needs to need to be calculated. They need to, you need to look at some data and see, you know, is this really true? Like, is this thing that I feel is going to be a, an amazing thing in the world actually going to be accepted and wanted in the world? So doing some basic market research mm -hmm. is important. Understanding your target audience is super important. Okay. Knowing who you want to sell to. It doesn't matter if you're trying to sell a painting or consulting services. You need to know who you're trying to reach. The biggest mistake that any business could make is that they say, oh, my product service is for everybody. Anybody could could be helped by this. Oh, no. Not that that isn't true, that yeah. anybody couldn't be helped by this or buy your thing. But when you're pursuing marketing, you need to carve out a specific target audience. I want to reach women 25 to 55 years old who are entrepreneurs, who are creative and soul-searching human beings looking for a way of exploring their inner life so that they can be more successful and magical in their work. This, like the confidence you have in knowing your target audience, and of course, you've done lots of research and soul searching and, and, and business exercises, but this is the same with people. Like when businesses know their shit, when businesses know their target audience, you're so attracted to them, even though you don't need their service. I just, for example, I just love that Autoson, they know their target audience. And boom, it's like, 
good for them. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like even if it's not you, even if it's not me, and even if I'm not gonna run and buy antifreeze liquid or wipers, (laughs) it's like yeah, you know, like yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just just it's empowering to see people. Or businesses that are aligned and that they are doing their thing instead of being wishy-washy and all fluff yeah. like, oh, well, yeah, this you could buy this and it's going to help everyone. And I mean, because in reality, as in, as you know, as a person and as a business, you cannot be everything for everyone. That's right. This brings me to my other point, which is less business strategy-ish. And more about us as human beings behind the businesses, yes. right? the people that are operating and running these businesses is that you need to understand and have a good sense of your own self-esteem, self-worth and self-love. Otherwise, how are you going to sell anything or be a functioning person in a relationship if you don't even know your own worth? Right. Those elements which really, I think, guide people to create their own personal brand as well as then a larger brand for their company if they're they're creating an entity bigger than just them as a person. Those elements guide the entire process. If you truly want your brand to feel and be authentic and for you to be able to connect and understand your target audience, you need to understand yourself yes. first. Yes. So all the things that we want to accomplish out in the world or give out in the world need to first be given to ourselves, right? This is pure gold. (laughs) Thank you, Carissa. This is pure gold. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And this can be applied to anything in life. It's a sad state of affairs that we are, you know, like earlier when we were saying that, you know, we're not taught how to connect to our soul and to uh, connect to our inner voice and and hone that intuition. We're not taught self-love and self-worth and self-care. We are taught the opposite of we need to think about everything outside of ourselves and and those external markers and those other people who we are taking care of, especially us as women who, you know, are... I, you know, we're more molded to that role of nurturer and taking and caretaker. And so many of us feel self-indulgent by exploring our inner life and by finding our self-esteem and our self-worth and our self-love. It's just like- When it's a need. Yes, it is. It's the ultimate need. It's the basic of the the most basic of basic needs. Right. It's the ultimate of needs and it is the path to success. If people truly want to have success and happiness and joy and to be able to realize all their dreams, they've got to give to themselves first. They've got to go within and find that magic inside. Yes, yes, yes to all of this. This is so important. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the, that path was, you know, although I wanted to, I think I was drawn to medicine because I wanted to heal mm. and I wanted to heal people. And so I decided, you know, it's not medicine, it's it's alternative healing and, and Eastern healing. And so I took that path and went down that road of, of that type of healing and realized, you know what, I, I want to heal because I need to be healed. So I 
again, all these concentric circles of overlapping things, I realized that in the midst of when I had already started to embark on a lot of this health, self-healing and self-exploration, um, really once that light bulb went off, I was like, oh, damn, I'm, you know, like yes. I'm putting this energy out there for that because, because I, I need, need it yes. and I need it the most. But, and until we understand that and then direct that energy back inside, we can't truly give in the, in those ways. So I, there's nothing wrong with giving. There's no, nothing no, no. wrong with sharing and healing and, and putting our energy out to help other people. But we also need to be putting it within. And, and, and then it becomes, once that's realized, it becomes what I like to call the virtuous cycle. Mm. So it's this virtuous cycle of you giving out energy and the way that you're giving it is also bringing back the energy that you need, need. to continue to give it. And yeah, right. Some people use that analogy of putting the oxygen mask on first. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? I always, ever since I learned that analogy, I'm like... Dude, this is so true on many levels. And it has helped me connect with people that are more cerebral and more left brain than right brain when I'm trying to explain a con the concept of self-love or healing or, or putting yourself first because how, how, how in the world are you going to be able to give to others what you don't have, what you don't give yourself. Right. The oxygen mask for people that haven't heard. And really, I'm surprised if you've been hearing, listening to this podcast, because I think I've mentioned like three times before <laughs> because it's so true. So it's when people, when you're in an airplane and, you know, you get those security at pamphlets of what to do in case of an emergency, it always says, put your oxygen mask first and then to your children or your elderly, anyone that is, but especially children, anyone that is coming with you, don't try to go and put the oxygen mask on them first because what's going to happen is you're going to pass out <laughs> and then you're not going to be able to help them or yourself. Right. That is why this is pure gold and this analogy works so much in life. You need to help and love yourself first and heal yourself first and be in a state of wellness and, and security in order to be able to help someone else. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that even though we're not talking about airplane crashes yes. and we're talking about life, it's yes. as important yes. as that. And it, because this is a, this is the way we're really living. I mean, most of us thankfully don't have to deal with the emergency situation on an airplane, but all of us have to deal with getting through life. And, you know, the shit that happens in life isn't fair. The traumas that we experience, the, all of the things that go on in our own individual lives and in our collective life as human beings, you know, there's a lot to, to have to deal with. So I think it's as important as an emergency situation on a plane. I mean, that to live a life and to go through this in a way that is successful, it's, you've got to do that. I actually teach at PSU's Center for Executive and Professional Education. It's the continuing ed school mm -hmm. for the, for the business school. And I was leaving the other day 
the director of the school came up to me and I don't usually see her and I actually had forgotten who she was, but then she was like, oh, hi. And I was like, oh, hi, how are you? (laughs) Good to see you. And she's like, I don't know if you know this, but when you're here, your energy can be felt through the entire place. And I was like about to cry. It's just so floored with, it was the best, best compliment I've ever received. And, you know, beyond me, what it said to me was that, you know, this is true of all of us. Everything that we, not just our energy, but even our words and our actions are felt by other people. So what are we going to create in ourselves? Yes. To ripple out into the world. That's our responsibility as a magical human being. Yes. Yes, I was in this. Uh, I I love that the universe puts these uh, pebbles of wisdom, and then we're able to uh, connect them and make sense of our human, our spiritual experience in a in a human body. Um, I was just listening, and I don't know where I heard this, but or read it. But I know that I'm very intentional about what I surround myself with, all the content. I listen to a lot of podcasts, audiobooks. I was listening to Gabriel Bernstein's book, The Universe Has Your Back, and to Wayne Dyer's podcast. Regarding the ripple effect of our energy, there's this study about meditation that said that if a fraction of the population meditated and and were just like calm in touch with their inner self that would have an effect on all of the people around them and I think this study I don't remember where but somewhere in the world in a population they brought people that were master meditators or like people that were really good Mm -hmm. at meditating and and those people that were going to meditate I think it was for a month or so. It was like a, you know, it was a study. Yeah, I think this was a transcendental meditation study. And it was a study. So it was, you know, like the the exact amount of the people that were going to meditate that were coming into this community where they try to make it as a population of the world. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then the effects that it had on that community by these people meditating, they were not preaching. They were not making people do it. They were just doing their thing and meditating and being in touch with themselves. And the positive effects that it had on this community Mm -hmm. were astounding. So it's like, that's a ripple effect in this community. My point is you can escalate that. Yes. And it's like if everyone, or at least... A part, a fraction of the world's population did the personal spiritual work that needed to do to heal themselves, being therapy, being meditation, being whatever you need to do, the world would be a different place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Being, a, I mean, a different, more beautiful, more loving and positive place. And I, I've been there, you know, so I understand the place of being just completely enveloped in pain mm. and in sorrow mm-hmm. and, you know, in this place where you don't feel like you can escape. You know, I've been there. I know Me what too. that feels like. And I understand how hard it can be to escape that. But if we don't try, if we don't try to get and and get free of this place, then you not only are suffering individually, mm-hmm. but that suffering is felt. 
Carissa, what has been so far in your life your biggest fuck up? Ooh. I would say the I mean in a in a big way, not a one incident, but in a long standing set of behavior pattern, mm -hmm. I would say, was the amount of time that I spent drinking alcohol. Mm. And I'm not against alcohol. I occasionally will have a drink now and then now, but I spent from age 15, you know, I started earlier than that, but spent age 15 to 45, where it was, I would call it too regular of an activity. I didn't feel like an addict. I didn't feel like I had a problem, but I think that was part of the problem. It was why it persisted for so long of where I used it as a crutch. I used it as a means to avoid my problems. I used it as a way to lubricate social situations, which is what a lot of people do. And, and, you know, when, when that is occasional, cool, you know, okay, it's great. Or when we're, when you're using alcohol, like to celebrate something cool. But I was in such a habit with drinking that it was taking away from my own uh, ability to access my truth uh, fully, to access my Uh, my own confidence, just stand on my own two feet always without needing that crutch. This is at the same time when I am building my brand and my programs and my work out in the world of trying to help people live their best life, their most dynamic life. Their... And you're not living yours. Exactly. Mm. So it's the same thing of like, well, if I'm going to be a healer, I better go and heal myself. <laughs> if I'm going to be a motivator and, uh, and a trainer and a speaker on the topic of self-love and self-care and uh, really, truly living your best life and realizing your dreams, this is something that I've yeah, got to address. Yeah, you better get your ducks in a row. Exactly. So I would say that was my you know, did I, I we're really fuck up over the years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like a, just a long burn <laughs> fuck up that then led to probably my other, like my biggest fuck ups. In, I see. In, yeah. As, specific fuck yes. ups in, in, in <laughs> other situations. Yeah. Yeah. Like ending up in, you know, a stranger's loft in Auckland, New Zealand, who I had a really great time playing pool with, got really drunk with, but I'm in a foreign country don't know this person at all. I went You're alone. I, I'm alone. Yeah, nothing happened, thankfully, yeah. but I passed out there. And when I stumbled back to my dorm room the next day, I was like, that was dumb. <laughs> Thank yes. God nothing happened to me, but it could have, you yeah. know, so all sorts of little, little fuck things. ups like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have a question, but before uh, touching on the point that you are a constant traveler, um, What are your top three, top five hacks or must-haves for travel? 
Like since you are a lot of times on the go speaking in one country and then like you were in Canada, then you were in LA or something like you, you were, I don't know, like you travel a lot. So what are your essentials for traveling? Either specific things like products or things mm -hmm. or things to do? Yeah. So uh, I would say as a mom and, and I'm not in this, this, age category anymore. My son is almost eight, but when he was younger, um, and this someone, I don't remember where I read this one of those, like yes. came from some magical source, but I don't remember <laughs> which one. A good source. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good one. But uh, someone had told me to put a washcloth, damp washcloth in a Ziploc bag or a, a you know, a, a watertight or water resistant type of bag um, because there will be the types of spills and messes that you don't want to use baby wipes for oh. um, to wipe up like cleaning yes, up yes. the airplane seat and chair or the tray the vomit you or, know yeah um the, these different things and and that saved us so many times because we did travel a lot with our son when he was little and it was still in that stage of Thank making big messes i feel like that's a tip that can apply to anyone not just people with children really good one um, for my own personal, the t like the time I like to spend, I always have my Kindle books mm -hmm. ready to rock because they don't, you know, as long as I have them downloaded, they don't require Wi-Fi. So mm. I can just, you know, in those in-between times when I either don't have Wi-Fi, I will pull up my book immediately. So before I even take off, I can start reading. And I love having a, a bunch of books. Yes, I could carry books with me and I love books. I love reading books. It's not like I'm a diehard digital book fan, but on a plane I, and when I'm traveling, I love to be able, because I'm always reading multiple books at a time and I don't want to haul around five books. Yeah. It just takes up too much space because again, when I'm traveling, I like to travel fairly lightly. Any other travel uh, tips or hacks? This is a new one that I just someone just told me about. Um, so I'm I'm going to Europe in next month. Mm -hmm. It's creeping up on me. So um, so I'm going. Uh, I haven't traveled. Uh, in well, I went to Mexico. Um, in back in December, I did not have this app then, but there's apparently a, a mobile passport app that is a must-have for traveling internationally. It helps save time through all those crazy lines once you get into the uh, border and customs area. Mm -hmm. So that is my newest, not tested by me hack, but told by me through other trusted travelers. So I'm excited to What is get the that. name of this app? It's just called Mobile Passport, Mobile I believe. Mobile Passport. Okay, people check it out. Carissa's interview was so insightful that we had to split it in two. Stay tuned for part two next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you feel a little bit more inspired, more magical, more human. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show. Say hello to me on Instagram and tell me what resonated with you or what did you like the most about today's episode. If anything you listened to made you think of someone, please go share it with them. The world is a better place when we make each other feel seen. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I see you, I hear you, I love you. Talk to you next week. Bye. This show is produced by Annie Fassler of Puddle Creative with music by Megan Diana and cover art by Vania Vananina, that's me, and Maya Busby. <laughs>